This is the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from GoBundance. The tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. Listen Tuesdays for featured guests and Fridays for GoBundance member spotlights. But listen always to hear how our guests have grabbed life big. Now, here's your host, Jamie Gruber. Have you dreamed of being part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but maybe you're just not quite there yet on the balance sheet. You haven't hit that million dollar net worth, but you understand the value of being part of this community and part of this brand and why the six pillars are so important and they're important to you. Well, we've got a great opportunity for any one of you out there that are seeking one day to be whole life millionaires and join GoBundance. That is our Emerge program from GoBundance. My name is Jamie Gruber. I'm host of the GoBundance podcast founder of the Emerge program, and I'm proud to say that we've been able to put a couple of hundred students through the Emerge program with stellar results. They've been able to achieve goals, transform their lives, and get to the next level of life that they aspire to simply by being part of this incredible program. With the Emerge program, we have three objectives. The first is to create transformation. You're going to establish a goal at the very beginning of this 12-week course And every week, you're going to get a content drop. You're going to get curriculum. You're going to get support from the community in you achieving that goal by the end of the 12 weeks. Along with that, our second objective is proximity. You're gonna have proximity to like-minded people, just like you, people that you don't have in your regular life right now that you can relate to and talk about what it is you're trying to achieve in life. And they're gonna hold you accountable to whatever you say you wanna do, or better yet, whoever you say you wanna be. With proximity also comes the GoBundance community. Every Tuesday evening, we bring in a GoBundance member and we Q&A them in our millionaire case study segment. Right before that, you get to hang out with your fellow Emerge members on Tuesday evening. And Thursday morning, Diego Corzo comes live to you to teach you about different areas of being a whole life millionaire. And lastly, our third objective, we're gonna be watching. We wanna make sure you're accountable to achieving what you want and finishing this course. And if you do, you'll get an exclusive invite to our Ascend Mastermind where we can really dive in and dig deep on getting you to that whole life millionaire status. Go to gobundance.com slash emerge, put in coupon code emerge for $200 off this one-time charge and lifetime access to the Emerge program. You won't regret it. Check out what it's done for other people on the website. And I hope to see all of you in Emerge. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from GoBundance. I'm your host, Jamie Gruber. And today we welcome in Matt Boudreau, a guy I got to know through a mutual contact that just fascinated me. And I had to have him on the episode, but let me give him a proper intro here. Matt is the founder of Acton Academy Placer and Acton Academy Sacramento. As a career educator, Matt has delivered TEDx talks, consulted with universities, written books, and created programs that have helped to push education into the 21st century for teens across America. He currently hosts the Essential 11 podcast, a fantastic podcast, which focuses on gaining world-class advice from prominent guests in business, media, sports, education, entertainment. He's also a world-renowned keynote speaker, speaking to over 250,000 people across the globe with clients from Lockheed Martin to the U.S. Air Force to Caterpillar, Honeywell, and a lot in between, I'm sure. Uh, in his younger years, he was a competitive kickboxer underneath Dennis Alexio competed in multiple amateur mixed martial arts fights under the coaching of Frank Shamrock, Ken Shamrock, and Jason 
Peets. Hope I said the last name right there. You did indeed. Matt, welcome to the podcast, brother. Man, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I want to start, you know, uh, Acton is near and dear to my heart. My, my oldest son, as we've talked about uh, before this uh, goes there. And you, uh, you didn't start in sort of alternative education. You started as a school administrator in more of the traditional education system. Can you just talk to me a little bit about that start and maybe just the progression to where you, you had this awakening or epiphany or desire to drive toward alternative education? Yeah, glad to, man. So actually, it was uh, interesting. I actually started at the university level, right? So I started working at Stanford University. Um, is That's really where kind of the whole understanding of the educational game uh, really began. And I use that word game very, very intentionally. Um, so kind of getting a feel for the game uh, at Stanford University. I was there. My wife was there. Her parents were there. So we had this, you know, fun little family thing going for a while. Um, but I quickly realized uh, a number of things while I was at Stanford. One, there was a game to be played in education. And two, um, I was interested in kind of exploring that game a little bit further because there were some things that I saw inherently that I'm like, hmm, okay, interesting. Not exactly what I thought it was. I wonder how we can make a change and I wonder how we can make a change kind of foundationally. And so, um, you know, my wife and I ended up deciding that we were going to be, you know, 80 years old before we ever could buy anything in the Bay Area. We decided to uh, move to the Sacramento area and, um, you know, do something a little different. So we kind of put cart before the horse, bought our house in Sac, moved there and went, cool, guess we better get some jobs. Um, and then uh, but I was lucky enough to be, you know, going down that education path. So went into public schools first and, and was a public school teacher in uh, kind of the Stockton area, Central Valley area of California, which is a little bit of a rougher uh, area of the state. And, um, you know, it was kind of a trial by fire, man, was public school teacher there for for quite a few years and uh, public school teacher turned into public school administrator and uh, public school administrator turned into cool. This is not about kids. This is about government. This is about politics. This is about money, um, which led me to private, which led, so that was kind of the trajectory. But all along the way, the common theme was I'm uncovering more pieces of this game and wasn't super pumped about what I was seeing with that, you know, and from an integrity standpoint. Um, and that's really what it ended up boiling down to for me was I was not able to do what I thought was the right thing to do uh, without being in trouble for it, right? As a public school teacher, I was what I called creatively insubordinate. Uh, and was, you know, taken into offices by a superintendent. And I had a superintendent take me in and say, hey, man, uh, we've got a, a conundrum here. You're very well loved by, by the students and, and the staff. You know, you're, you're one of the favorite people on campus and uh, everybody loves you and thinks you're great. And, and that's awesome. Um, but you don't do what administration asks. Uh, so, you know, that's going to be a problem for you in this, in this career. And um, so, you know, again, it was just kind of that... Uh, it didn't match up with, with my, with what I thought these, you know, young humans, young heroes really needed. And so that was really kind of the start of that. Obviously that whole trajectory is pretty long and much more nuanced. And I'm glad to explore any of that, um, that you'd like to. Yeah. Well, let's dive into that. When you say, um, uh, what you saw, what are some specific, like why, I guess that's the core, like why is public education so resistant to, to this, this, you know, an alternative way of doing things to what you were doing. I, I love the term creatively insubordinate. Like that sounds like an amazing thing. Why is that a bad thing in the public education system? What's at the heart of that? Yeah. Money. Right. So when I've got a young man who's in middle school and he is being told, you know, when he goes home, um, you know, both of his parents are gang members and they're telling him to get out on the porch and he's got to start slinging whatever he's got to start slinging. And, and, um, 
the school system is saying, hey, no, he really, he needs algebra um, because our funding is based on algebra. And this is simplifying a lot of the process, but in essence, for people to understand, that's really the goal is, you know, funding is dependent upon very specific metrics. And so, hey, that's what we need him to do. We need him to perform and we need him to perform that specific circus trick so that we can get our money. And I'm going, cool, that's great. That's not what he needs. Um, he needs something vastly different right now. Algebra is not going to save this young man's life, you know? And so that's one example, but it's a microcosm of the entire thing. There's, you know, the entire system. And, and when I talk about education in the game, one of the things I always want to make very, 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 very clear is there are phenomenal people that are conventional educators, public school, private schools that are in that conventional style, phenomenal people, phenomenal administrators, like these human beings are great. So I always separate the human being from the system, right? And so that system is dependent upon the perpetuation of itself. The money that comes from that is tied to this very small metric of obedience and performance in this very small, you know, uh, you know, train of thought. So um, that's the that's the biggest issue. And so that's why things aren't going to change is because all the money, all the politics are tied towards keeping that looking exactly the same. It's the reason school has looked the same for 100 friggin' years. What led you to you're now an owner of a couple of acting academies uh, and watching your TED talk, one of your TED talks, you talked about some other other uh, I think Sudbury was one, a couple of other different yeah. different facilities. Yeah. Uh, what was that iteration like for you? So you, you're sort of in the in the public education system. You're seeing, you know, like, man, this isn't right. Kind of give me the, the 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 steps you took from that point on. Like what was yeah. the, what happened? Yeah. So it was, it was really kind of this naivete, right. Of learning the system. So I'm this teacher in the public schools and I'm going, okay, well, I'm, you know, this, like I said, kind of the creatively insubordinate, insubordinate sort of guy. So in my naivete, I'm like, well, I'm going to go administration. I go administration. I'm the site administrator, man. I can make all the changes, right? Like that's what I'm going to do. As I'm getting my admin credential, you started seeing more of the game in terms of all the politics, all the, you know, the money part of it, all that stuff that I was speaking to. Yeah. So that's when I really started going into the, well, why the heck are we doing school this way? And what you end up finding is that this hundred or so year experiment of conventional school, that's really the alternative. That's the alternative. Humans have learned a certain way since the dawn of time. And then we created this alternative system that is conventional school. So I started diving into the why and the history behind that and who brought this kind of, you know, system over to us and what the intention was. And the intention wasn't to follow the development of a human being and to really unlock the genius that is inside, you know, these young people. So I started seeing that from a historical perspective. So I went, you know what, I'm out. Um, I'm going to go to private school because private school, you're not bound by the rules and you can actually make a difference. Course again, that was the naivete speaking again. So I go into the private sector and you realize that the majority of the time, private sector is just mimicking the public sector. They don't want to be seen as different. They don't want to be seen as weird. They want to have this easy transition. Sort of somebody leaves and goes to public, they're fine. If they, you know, so it, it's keeping that system looks the same. It's the same pig, just a different shade of lipstick. Right. So it was through all that where I started kind of speaking up and going, hey, look, these are the changes I, th I think should be made. This is how I think it could look with the project base and the responsibility for the young heroes. And, um, you know, I really I was in my mind. I had no idea what Acton Academy was, but I was already kind of saying, look, this is what it should look like from my perspective. 
So speaking out turned into doing a small keynote over here and a small, you know, a little keynote at a little conference over here. And those gradually got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it was when I was speaking to a group of professors out in South Carolina, and one of the professors said to me, Hey, you know what? I love your ideas here. Um, I'm going to be putting on uh, part of a team, putting on a TEDx in Santa Cruz. I really think you should come speak at that uh, related to your ideas. And I want to give you a couple of schools that I think are kind of in line with some of the ideas you have. So she was the first one to really mention to me, Sudbury, Acton Academy, um, Agile Learning Centers, and, and some of these early um, players kind of in this movement. And so, you know, the next year or so was spent traveling and getting to those you know, as much as I could to, to really experience it and to see it for myself. When I stepped foot on an Acton Academy campus for the first time, I was like, oh, no, this is this is it. This is what I was talking about. Mm. It's this. The other ones didn't check all the boxes um, for me. Um, this absolutely did. I spent a couple hours at the Austin, uh, original Austin main campus in with a middle school and watch these middle school students run their day like a, you know, better than most fortune 500s run their company. And I saw the adult in there, but he didn't say a word the whole time I was there for two hours. And he was watching, he was involved, but they were running the show. I'm like, yep, that's it. So, you know, I got back to, to California after that trip. And I remember very clearly climbing in bed and my wife's like, you know, how was it? I kind of woke her up when I got in there and I was like, it was great. And she's like, okay, good. Um, do you learn anything? I'm like, yeah, I learned we're either moving to Texas or we're going to be starting one of these, you know, mm. and she's like, well, Texas doesn't sound good to me. I'm like, well, there we go. <laughs> Let's rock and roll. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yep. Can you briefly touch, you've mentioned you studied the history of education and how current education is the alternative. Uh, yeah. For those that maybe haven't studied this past, this history, yeah. can you just give you know a, a two, three minute overview of exactly how our current education system was started by whom and so on? Yeah. I mean, so the reality is learning uh, you know, over, over centuries and centuries and whether you think it's, you know, whatever, since the dawn of time, it was learned by doing right. You, you do, you do things on the farm, you grab a book, you read, but you're out on the farm, you're out working in a field, you're out working in a trade, you're out working in whatever that is. And you become this apprentice and you're the apprentice to the master. And you are learning by doing with these guide mentors. That's the way you did it. Right. And so, during the dawn of the, you know, to simplify it during the dawn of the industrial age, you know, you've got essentially what is uh, this European system brought over by Horace Mann and, and some of these others. It was a system of essentially like we need to create workers and um, mm -hmm. we need to create workers for for the coming industrial age. And we want them to really at the core of it, be obedient. We want them to really understand how to follow directions. We want them um educated enough, or I'll say schooled enough, schooled enough to be able to follow directions, but not educated enough to go, hmm, there may be a better way to do this and, and to really be able to innovate, right? And so from a very basic sense, that's what we were looking for is let's get a populace that we can start to train to, to be obedient and, and kind of ultimately bend to our will um, for what we want to do and for our dreams and to make our dreams a reality and to make us a lot of money. Like we need to create a population that is ready to, um, you know, drop something at the, at the ring of a bell or a drop of a hat, come follow this direction over here, drop it again and, and come follow this direction over here. Um, and that's a system in schools that you see perpetuated to this very day. So it was ultimately about creating an obedient population that couldn't think. Um, I think you'd be hard pressed to convince anybody that we don't have that right now. I think you're right. I think you're right about that. The, the, the movement has grown. 
right? The idea of, of these alternative schools, uh, the ones that you mentioned, and I'm sure there are others. I know I think uh, Elon Musk has one now, if I'm not mistaken, mm. right? Uh, Synthesis.is or something like that. Yeah, he does. And yeah, um, yeah, I'll be able to say more about that uh, coming in the future. But yeah, he does have some things. Gotcha. So yeah. what... So if I have a kid that's, you know, whatever, you know, grade school age of some, of some sort, and I'm yeah. thinking, man, this sounds interesting. You know, I, I definitely have some issues with public education. A lot of people do, sure. um, but you know, I don't want to place them in a position where they're ahead of society. And, and what I mean by that is if societal norms require that you go through this traditional path and you go to college and you have this, this, uh, you know, uh, this particular job with a GPA and all of that stuff is required. Like, what about if my kid, I send them to Acton and they're 18 and they graduate, um, are they gonna be able to go to college if they want to, are they going to be able to, is there a transcript or a GPA? They, like, how do they go? Are they, is it even really accredited? How do they get past high school yeah. other than, you know? Yeah. I'm just here's, yeah. Yeah. Here's the beauty of what you even asked right there. Right. Like, so your cultural training came into play where you said, Hey, cultural norms require, do they? Yeah, that's a good point. Do they? Do they require that? No. And and mm -hmm. should we? And you know, because because the obviously that's kind of tongue in cheek, but the answer is no. They don't necessarily always require that. Yeah. Um, more often than not, they actually don't require that. And there's a million different ways to to skin the cat in terms of education, right? Our cultural tie into what school is has become religious. I can walk people through from mm. an intellectual understanding how this works developmentally and how this opens up more doors for the young heroes than anything else on the planet. And they will go, yes, 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 yes. Oh my gosh. And then the hero's journey on top of that. Are you kidding? I love the matrix, man. I love watching Neo rise from, you know, and having Morpheus open the doors and Neo's got to, you know, slay the dragon man. And he's got like, I love that. Uh-huh. They love it until it's their kid. Yeah. Until it's their kid experiencing failure, until it's their kids struggling and having a hard time, and they don't want them to have the gift of failure over and over again because school taught them that that wasn't okay and that there's such thing as grade level and that you've got to do it at the right, you know, you've got to have math at a certain time and the life is broken down into subjects. And then, you know, doing well at that game is what's going to open up college and you need college if you're going to have a good life and all of these things that are absolutely preposterous provably false mm -hmm. um you know that's but that's the religiosity around the training uh, our cultural conditioning for school the paradox of acton academy is that we take a look at things from a developmental standpoint we take a look at things from um, a character and a personal responsibility standpoint first Right. We don't pretend that academia should be your focus. And if academia is your focus, then all this other life stuff just kind of trickles down from that and ends up working out well. That's completely false. It's the reverse. Focusing on the character, the work ethic, um, the ability to you know, stay in this growth mindset, the ability to learn and unlearn, the ability to adapt uh, you know, the ability to collaborate, the ability to communicate well, all of those things up here. That trickles down. You can add academia in there for sure. And they're the academics get covered, but that's not the primary focus. You do that and all the doors end up being open. So the paradox is while we will never say, hey, this is college prep or have a focus on college, our students get into any college they want, um, you know, when they really go through it, they really do. Um, and then the reality of that too, you know, going further 
is that college itself isn't as much of a necessity as people think it is. And in fact, I think for most people, it's a net negative, um, not a net positive, you know, and that's somebody who's got graduate degrees, you know, and was that that. So I like, I'm speaking from experience, but it's also somebody who has spoken to, you know, 500 uh, companies over the last seven years. And I'm speaking to the CEOs and hiring managers and seeing what they actually want. Um, you know, we asked that question on the essential 11 to the world's greatest entrepreneurs. And, you know, what do you want to see from a young person? I can tell you in a hundred and you know, almost 50 episodes, nobody's ever said they need to have a college degree. So um, there's just a lot of a, there's a huge cultural mindset shift that needs to take place. And I think that's really one of the biggest things that Acton Academies are doing is we're shifting that cultural mindset. I love that, man. I, I'm one who did not finish college. It never resonated with me. I went Wait, to three not, of them. You're not dead. You're not in jail. Right. Right. I actually carved out a little executive career in the middle of that. Right. Equity, yeah. the whole nine kind of top, yeah. top three, 400 guy in a 40,000 person company. And uh, I ended up walking away from it, had that choice as well. So, right. but yeah, you're, you're right. I, you know, for me, at least this is you know, 20 plus years ago at this point, boy, you want to talk about, about bucking the trend in some ways. And I'm, I'm yeah. sort of glad my parents, my parents, you know, they, they, uh, they never valued education of any type. Right. And then I didn't as a result probably, but I'm glad in some ways that they didn't because it did make me at least within my, my family structure. Okay. Not to go to college. And, uh, and yeah, you're right. You, you do kind of get by it. You and I talked about, uh, like, like I said, my son's been an acting for like, he went last year and he's in, you know, he's six years old. So he's in the elementary room this year as well. Yeah. Um, the stuff that I went through, uh, and this isn't necessarily active, any, any, you know, whatever, any alternative education source that, that people are considering. So I know this is a hot topic. Let me take a step back. What I hear from most people is I don't like the public education system. Like, I don't know of one person that says, yeah, man, this thing works really well. I've never heard somebody say, yeah, say that, yeah, yeah, yeah. but the alternatives scare the hell out of people. And I'm, I'll yeah. admit I was one of those. And I, I remember talking to you and, and uh, I'd love to hear you talk about this, but uh, what about prom? What about, you know, the high school sports? What about like these experiences that, that, you know, they won't have as a result of being in this sort of, yeah. you know, alternative situation. What do you I say? Love that. I love that. So there's a, a few things I want to unpack right there. One is I always, again, want to set the stage where there's no such thing as a panacea in anything. There's no panacea in terms of a company to go work for. There's no panacea yeah. in terms of a school to attend, right? You got people, people are messy. There's always going to be some messiness that's there. Right. So I don't want to paint the, it's like, okay, this is the perfect little, this is the perfect world where everything's perfect all the time. That doesn't exist period. But yeah. again, it goes back to the part of it. It foundationally goes back to that word alternative. All right. When you and I grew up alternative school meant one of two things, either it was a school for special needs yeah. or it was the last stop before juvenile hall. Right. It was one yeah. of those things. So people still think in those terms, they think alternative means that. So it means, okay, my child has some special needs. And so I need to look out for an alternative place or my child's an a-hole and I need to look for an alternative spot, right? We are not the place for either. I've got a heart for special needs. Acting is just not it. Um, we're just not equipped for it. And we are even more not equipped for a-holes, right? So it's just character matters. Um, so it's the whole concept of alternative. Again, we're acting more as a workspace for young people. It's actually a microcosm of the world we actually live in, which again, makes me argue that traditional conventional schooling is radically the alternative and not an alternative that's turning out well. So you got that 
mm-hmm. um, to think about. I get what parents are saying with that. You know, they're projecting their own experiences, right? Like, oh my gosh, I loved prom. What about prom? So two things around that. One, um, s- some Actons have proms. <laughs> like that's, we've got a high school, we've got high school students here. They want a prom, they throw the prom. Like they want to have a dance, they throw the dance, right? We also have a high school basketball team that people go to. Our, actually, our guys are good. We have cheerleaders. We have the whole, so like some Actons have that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you're willing to sacrifice. Like if you go back, if I go back and look up, dude, I had a great time at prom. But if I was to say what I did at prom to have a great time, it's not going to be the most uplifting, integrous, ah, life-changing moment. I was a dumb kid doing dumb things. Yeah, My life trajectory didn't change because of my prom, right? So the fact that we have this emotional tie to that as if it's something that is going to crumble the foundation for our young people because they didn't get to go get hammered and go sleep with somebody at prom. Like that's just, to me is, is just asinine that that's going to be your, your, uh, you know, kind of your trajectory and your, your thought on these experiences. Like that to me is just, uh, I would much rather build a foundation of a young person who can then go forward and, build the life that he or she wants. I have no desire for school. I have, I I want them to love it. And our kids do love it that are here. Like they actually legitimately want to be here. They legitimately get sad when it's breaks in between sessions. Like they actually enjoy being here. And I love that. I always want that to be the case. I want there to be fun, but I want there also to be an intentionality, right? I have no desire for these to be the best years of the person's life. These should be the foundational years so that they can go on and create the life that they want to create. If you, you know, I talked to Patrick Bet David is, is a friend and was a guy on my podcast and actually posted something, a clip from that podcast last night. Um, you know, and he said, if you peaked in high school, your life sucks. Like you've lost, yeah, you've lost And parents. I usually find the parents that are like, oh man, but prom, oh, but high school football games. It's because they look back and go, that was the best time of my life. Cause I haven't enjoyed my life since then. And in that case, yes, it's not just school, but school failed you because you're not creating the life that you want. You don't feel like you're capable of doing that. And that to me is sad. That's much more sad than somebody not having prom. I'd rather have a super excited, happy, passionate, ass-kicking, world-changing 30-year-old that didn't go to prom than somebody who crushed it at prom and was rad high school quarterback and hates their freaking life for the next 60 years. To me, that's a dumbass trade to even think about making might be the mic. I should have asked that at the end. That's like a mic drop <laughs> statement, man. That's I can be as aggressive as we need to be on all these answers. So it's all I love it. No, well, I, I, that's you, you, you gave me that perspective. Cause you know, yeah. we're, we're committed, obviously we're doing what we're doing, but mm-hmm. it creeps up every so often. And part of it, you know, there's a lot of judgment out there around this. I post sure. and try to try to promote our local school. It's small and growing. And yeah. I have family members, family members that we kind of get aggressive in, in comments or messaging me offline about, about, sure. you know, this and, to your point, I mean, you know, religion. without throwing names, it, it's a religion. And, and you know, really, there is some peaking in high school uh, in, in some of the cases, in all of the cases, I think, that uh, of people that I've talked to. You're absolutely right about that. For sure. That's, For that's sure. Crazy. I mean, it's those, it's that emotional, you know, it's that emotional connection. And so, and I, and I understand that too. So I never take it personally, you know, if somebody reaches out and they're upset about it. And um, it was great. Last night we had, a, um, there was an event in my hometown 
Um, and I had nothing to sell, you know, but it wasn't a, a GoPro. It wasn't a pro acting event. It had nothing to do with that, but it was um, a panel of people put together um, for concerned parents in, in the city that I grew up in. And so we had about 400 people packed into a little theater. We had another four or 500 online attending this event. There was the public health officer was there. Um, a couple of city council members were there, you know, on this panel and uh, the superintendent for the, for the school district was also there. And then I was up there just to say, Hey, look, there's options outside of school too. Like that's it. And like, there's a number of ways to attack. It, it wasn't anything to do with acting. Um, and the beauty of that was the superintendent is a man that I've known for a long time. He was actually one of my football coaches in high school, you know, but he's only been seeing snippets of, you know, things that I post online or say. And so he too has felt, you know, like this person, Matt has a hatred for the, and it's like, no, man, that's not it. There are options, right? There's options. And, and I want people to understand there's options and they can think through these options. I've got no, I'm not gonna lose any sleep if somebody decides they still want to do public school, man. Great. Go get it. But make sure it's a choice, not because you think this is what it's always been supposed to be. And I'm not willing to think outside of that, right? Make sure you're making a decision because you're making a decision, not because the decision's already been made for you and you can't get out of your own cognitive dissonance. My, uh, my six-year-old, the first day I dropped him off, the, the discussion in, in circle was growth versus fixed mindset, six years old. Right. Which was, I mean, for you, that's, that's an everyday thing. It has been an everyday thing for years. So maybe it doesn't sound that jarring. For me, it doesn't sound that jarring anymore, having you know, had him in Acton. But for somebody who, who doesn't you know, uh, consider or hasn't considered uh, an institution like Acton, um, that's jarring. And it was for me that first day, like, wow, in a good way. Like, wow, they're yeah. really talking. I didn't grasp that concept till 36, you know? So, and he's six right. years old going through this. Uh, recently, right. I asked him, what's the number one thing you get out of? Like, hey, what's, what's so great about Acton? What have you learned? Uh, or what have you gotten from it? And he said, failure. And I asked him to unpack that. He said, hey, uh, uh, well, I, if you lose, you got to keep trying and eventually you'll win. And then thirdly, I was talking to somebody interested in acting on the phone, earbuds in. He couldn't hear me, but he's in the back seat. Uh, and he chimed in with, hey, also, uh, the guy doesn't get you in trouble if, if you have a fight with a friend. And I asked him to, to explain that. And he said, no, the, we have to work it out and, and work with the guide. It was just three little moments for my son that he went through that I saw about the power of something. So, so I don't know, forward thinking, I guess, as Acton, what for you, I mean, you've been doing this for a while. Can you share some, we've talked a lot about the, you know, why people won't some of the perceptions maybe that are out there, the, 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 you know, deconditioning that that might be required for folks to consider an Acton or, or another, another uh, type of school like it. What are some of the stories, success stories, the the highlights that you've seen of students going through acting, your own kids or otherwise? Um, this is it's. I have a hard time with this because these these are some of, these are the stories that I love to tell, and these are the stories that gets you know. Um, there's nobody that listens to these things and goes, oh, you know, I don't want I don't want that for my kids, right? Um, but so again, I, I like to preface things and give people foundation. The reason there there are so many stories like the few that I'm about to share that'll just come top of mind yeah. um, are because of a lot of these students being in Acton for so long because of the continuous conversations around growth mindset. But it's also greatly because of that continued verbiage at home, mm -hmm. right? The parents are still the primary educators 
for these young heroes until they fully grasp every you know bit of that that growth for themselves until they are the ones committed in driving that the parents matter and they matter greatly um so you know when i when i talk about these stories i always tell parents like if we're not getting that support at home if they're not getting that support from you and that growth mindset from you like these aren't the stories that are going to be you know that you're going to be telling about your own heroes so um, before, before you tell the stories if you don't yeah, mind while, while sure. we're there can you just give like some tactical advice because there are parents like me oh, yeah. I'm, I'm curious right now like what because yeah. i feel like my, my wife and i jokingly call ourselves the fortune cookie family because we tend to we tend to talk to the kids in these like you know uh, uh ways of you know personal of development philosophical yeah. right Ooh. um but that doesn't mean it's right or that doesn't mean it's effective. It's what great. are some ways that you would encourage parents to, to sort of, you know, maybe some tactics or ideas or advice to support what is going on at an act in at home? That's a great question, man. Um, first and foremost is leading by example. And when I say that, I'm talking about, you know, we, we are talking about growth mindset. We're talking about a hero's journey. We're talking about maintaining good character. We're talking about failure being okay. Um, if you are not as the parent leading by example around that at home game over, it doesn't happen. Right. And what I tell parents all the time is your kids will do what you do far before they do what you say. So I can say, I can walk up and be like, Jay, man, I, I love you. I love you. And then I'll punch you in the face. And the next day I come up and I do, I love you. And I punch you in the face. Are you going to believe that I love you? Or are you going to believe that every time I see you, I hit you, right? The actions, it's the whole action speak out louder than words. Added, I love right? that. Like, it's that same thing. So if you're not leading by example, meaning you have a hero's journey, you are um, pushing your own growth, you are failing. And then you're talking to your young kids about it, whether they even fully understand the concept or not. Man, this is where daddy failed today. Um, but I'm really thankful for that because it's going to allow me to learn on this. And this is what I'm struggling with. And this is where I'm going. And they, they don't have to understand exactly what you're saying, but they're understanding the vibe of what you're talking about. Um, that's going to matter, right? So that that is above and beyond the first thing. Then it's getting back to some of these basics. Um, it, it's getting back to some of the, the, the manners and the respect and the responsibility, right? Having those things set up, you know, when Jordan Peterson talks about, you know, your responsibility as parents, these first five years of, of your life, first five, for first five, six years of their life is to make them a human that other humans want to be around, right? Don't let them be a terrorizing young thing. It doesn't mean you got to yell at them and you got to spank them. That's not it at all. We're very emotionally um, almost neutral in that regard, but it's making them to where other people are down to be around them, right? Because you're setting them up for a foundation where people know they can go there so they can collaborate. They can have conversation. If somebody doesn't like them, they're not going to want to chat. They're not going to want to collaborate. They're not going to want to. So it's very, very simple to do that. Again, first, you're leading by example. Second, manners matter. You know, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Looking someone in the eye, shaking hands. Nice to meet you. Setting the stage for those things, giving them responsibilities early. And often my kids have a lot of responsibilities around the house and it's just part of being a family. And they know that all of their freedoms, meaning the things they want to do that sound fun, all of those are tied to responsibility. Take care of your responsibilities of the house, all the freedoms in the world, right? That's, but you'd miss the responsibilities. Well, there's no emotion tied to it. You just, you didn't do what you need to do before. So you don't get to do what you want to do yet, right? That's mm. a pretty simple sort of concept. And when you start that early, and you're consistent on that, 
at this point, I don't even, it's not even a conversation. Like I don't have, you know, people go, well, oh my God, your kids are the, you know, the best kids on the planet. Like, what do you guys do to discipline them? And I'm like, Dude, we don't discipline them. I teach them to be disciplined. That's a different thing. They've got a schedule. Maybe they're very consistent with it. I don't have to tell them what their schedule is now. They run it themselves now because it's just a consistent sort of deal. Right. Um, so setting up that, those foundations and those boundaries early, um, translates directly over teaching them to make choices early translates over, but you teach, teach them to make choices by going, here's good choice. A here's good choice. B here's good choice. C what do you want to choose from? You don't talk about choices, D E F G H I J, because those aren't good choices at this time. So you got these choices right here. You know, the thought that a four-year-old or a five-year-old is completely sovereign is, is developmentally ridiculous. So you give them those choices, right? As they get older, there's more and more choices they can potentially make and they learn to make those themselves. So from a parental standpoint, um, starting with those kind of concepts early and staying consistent, that's the key. You know, I'm giving myself a mental checklist as you go through and, and just sharing uh, the lead by example piece. I, you know, I, I was kind of patting myself on the back mentally on this. Like part of my, part of my journey has been that I left my, my day job a few months back and, uh, you know, I've been part of GoBundance, an entrepreneurial mastermind. I've been building toward an, my entrepreneurial journey. And there was an element, a good size element of, of that it, decision in setting the example for my kids. I want them to have a significant life. I want them to do uh, things on their own. I don't want them to feel as though they're, they're con confined to the structure of W2 work. If they right. want to, fine. But if they don't want to, that's okay too. And right. me exemplifying that was important. The flip though, on this last piece around responsibility, that's an area I think uh, that's, that's easily overlooked for me. And I'm sure for other parents, meaning, you know, it's bedtime. I just want to get them to bed. I'll clean up after mm -hmm. them, as opposed to them cleaning up after themselves. That's right. right? Uh, that's I'll right. bring the plates to the sink as opposed to them bringing the plates to the sink themselves. So this is, totally. this is really, really in insightful for me. And I hope for others that are listening. Um, and I it's cut you off. No, oh, you're sorry. good, but it's the consistency around those things too. Right. It's the consistency around like, we, that, that is very much a thing. Like my five-year-old, like that's, it's one of his things right now is, uh, he forgets to put his plate away at the end of the night, just bringing it over to the, to the counter. Right. And yeah. it's just, he's ready to go play and he's ready to go take your, you know, take a shower or do whatever he's got to do. Um, which is great, which is fine, but he might be buck naked about ready to get in the shower and we see the plate is still on the table and it's like, Hey, loudy. What do you got to do with the plate, man? Oh, yep, got it. Runs over and puts it away, right? There's no conflict around it. There's no, we're not yelling at him. We're like, oh, uh, and we're not whining and moping because again, that's leading by example as well, right? So we're not doing that. There's no complaining in our house. There's just, you just fix things. Like you don't complain about it. You fix it. It's one of the rules in our house. So, you know, you just, oh yeah, cool. So he runs over, puts it away, gets in the shower. Boom, it's done. More often than not, and as that, it, the next day, it's the same thing. If he forgets, Hey man, before you get to do anything, where's that plate got to go? Right. And it's the consistency. Parenting is hard. It's supposed to be hard, but it doesn't have to be complex. Right. Like if we that. can make it simple and it's the simplicity and that consistency makes all the difference in the world. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, no, no. I have a dog barking out there anyway. So it was a good, a good time for that. No, you didn't cut me off at all. That was, that was extremely introspective. And to your point, you know, they have guide rails, guardrails that they've established at school. Um, yeah. 
you know, are we, are we doing a good job of replicating that at home? Probably not having specific guardrails. I love that. I wrote down, don't complain about it. Fix it. That's don't I think we're going to adopt a Boudreaux family rule in the Gruber household. So that's great, man. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. We've got our 11 rules, you know, just like the studios have contracts, right. Where they've got those tangible contracts of like, look, yeah. this is just how we operate in the studio. And then they can have the, um, you know, adult level conversations of, Hey man, um, you know, rule number six that we all sign this contract and rule number six says this, and you're kind of violating that right now. And so it allows them, you know, the, the ability to facilitate those conversations. We have the same thing in our house. We've got these 11 rules and those 11 rules allow us to tangibly, Hey, look, there is no complaining, fix it. That's rule number six in our house, right? Like there's no complaining, fix it. And the beauty of it is they can hold the parents to that as well. Right. If they go dad, you know, Rule number two is, you know, you need you need to do this. Like, but like we we listen, yeah, because we've ag- we've agreed this is just how Bodros are. So I love that man. Yeah, there's 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 uh, there's a guy that I met in uh, Miami, a part of abundance named Claude, uh, and he was mentioning like, look, I I just talk to my kids about my problems or what's going on on the level, you know, like just kind of give yeah. give it to him. He goes, you'd be surprised what they come up with. And I had that experience where I was talking about an employee, like ah, you know, I don't know if she's really cutting it. I, you know, might have to fire her. He asked what that meant. I explained it. And he goes, does she know what to do? Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oof. <laughs> mm. <laughs> maybe not buddy. Good point. Man. But to your point, it wasn't a patronizing daddy doesn't know, you know, but it was like, Hey, here's what's going on, bud. Just, what do you think? What are, what's on your mind? It's amazing yeah. how they're, I mean, you may have to extract from it. They're not going to give you, you know, sage advice, but, uh, but it is pretty incredible. That is pretty it incredible. Is. You were going to go into a couple of stories, success stories. Yeah, That's man. right. Um, yeah. So, you know, and this is, so we've got success stories like crazy on this campus now, and as well as, you know, campuses uh, across the globe. And, you know, I don't like to start with the big heavy hitters, but, you know, I mean, um, because we do have a, you know, we had a young man that just graduated at one of our Texas campuses who during his senior year, you know, got a career level position and was, was in Texas, but working remotely for a Bay area company, you know, making six figures while he was 17 in, in, in school. Right. And so, um, people go, okay, cool. That's, that's an anomaly. Well, all right. Well, I've also had 18 year olds that have walked off the stage and, and directly into career level positions, making, you know, a starting salary of 60, 70 grand somewhere in there. And it was a company that is a nationwide organization that had never hired anybody without a college degree. Um, and they made their very first exception for this 18 year old man, young man who walked straight into the job, you know, right off the stage here for us. Um, you know, we have 13 and 14 year old girls who have their products, one being uh, a jewelry line, kind of a custom jewelry line, and the other being custom uh, skateboards and uh, snowboards that she does abstract art on those. Mm. Um, both of those girls have their products in multiple storefronts here in, in the local Sacramento, you know, greater Sacramento area, and they're making really good money with with that and continuously, you know, filling orders, the, the snowboard skateboard girl actually just sold a a skateboard recently to Tony Hawk, um, that he took to his California hall of fame induction. That's a pretty rad thing to throw on the, on the resume. Um, you know, we hosted TEDx Roseville, uh, here on our campus and had, and actually go bonus member, David green, um, you know, got to, got to come speak, um, which was cool. Um, but we had a bunch of just phenomenal speakers and that's a very high level event. Um, to be able to host a TEDx was a different thing than, than speaking, uh, at them. And so it was really cool hosting that event, which by the way, all the AV lights sound, um, you know, all the mic tech, all of that stuff, slides, everything was run by middle school students. 
Um, so that's pretty cool thing to, you know, have on your resume at 12 is that you, you know, you're a curator for a giant TEDx event. Um, pretty rad. My own kids, you know, we have horses, uh, on my ranch at home and, and, um, got a couple horses here, uh, on a ranch in Northern California, but I didn't buy the horses. I had never had any desire to necessarily have horses. I uh, didn't know anything about them. My girls were going, daddy, we want horses. I'm like, that's awesome, man. Well, you find a way to pay for horses and daddy will make sure we have a property that allows us to have some horses. And it's a good thing. I'm a person of my word because it wasn't, you know, but a few years later, my girls are like, here's the money. Um, Wow. Yeah, sh show us the property. Uh, and so we have two horses and my girls are 10 and eight right now, by the way. So, you know, they, they made that money over the course of a few years of saving, of working and of creating a couple of businesses, both on and off campus to bring that cash in. Right. So, um, you know, and these are the stories that can go, we can go on and on, but, you know, I think one of the interesting, uh, actually uh, maybe even in a more interesting story to tell is we also had a, a mom who called me a couple years ago and says, Hey, I'd love to sit down with you. And this time now at this point, we don't even do this. I won't even have meetings with parents without the, the hero. That was a mistake on my part, but without the hero there, right. I want the hero there for any meeting that's about him or her. And so that was my mistake as a leader on that. Um, but we've, we fixed that. But at this point um, I hadn't figured that part out yet. I sat down with this mom, wonderful woman um, was a public school teacher had her son, uh, in our, in our location. And her son was in seventh grade at the time. And, um, she comes in and she's very emotional and she's crying and she's saying, Hey, I've made some really bad financial mistakes. Um, I'm, I'm bankrupting the family. I've never known how to, you know, she's again, she's a public school teacher, but she's going, I'd never known how to, I don't know how to deal with finances. And, and I was really in control of finances for our family. And I made some mistakes and, and we're in a rough spot. Um, and, you know, as far as our son, I mean, he is, uh, he's never been happier. Um, he's never been more responsible and more kind at home. He's taking on, you know, responsibilities to a greater degree than he ever has. You know, we love that he's making, you know, two or three grand a month right now in his business. Um, you know, all those things are great, but he's at sixth grade math level. Uh, and that really concerns us that's where the religiosity comes in, mm. right? Think about the dichotomy of, of thinking that where you think that there is this thing called grade level that your son who's happier, healthier, more responsible, making money right now when you've bankrupted the family as a public school teacher, but you're worried about that one-off quote unquote grade level as if that was a real thing. And that's your concern. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Something, you know, it's, it is, you know, it's so amazing. It is. Yeah. I think you said this to me, like, I, I think we're about the same age, 42, 43, and uh, you might be a year younger or older. I can't recall, but, uh, uh, I think you said like, Hey, uh, you know, say, say you're 43 on 42. Like yeah. you, do you read at a 43 year old level or a 42 year old? That's right. You read at that level, right? Are we at the same? So we better be making the same amount of money. Do you make the same amount of money, Andy? Do we make the same right. amount of money? Yeah. 41 year old level of money? Like, are you yeah. there yet? Are you, what does that look like? Are you behind then? Are you right. ahead? Right. What is that? What about your physical health? Are you at the, the 41 year old level of health? Are you at the, what does that look like? What does that mean? Right. We, we, yeah. we bring out those arbitrary metrics because it's all tied again, back to our cultural conditioning that comes from schooling and schooling has these specific metrics that need to be hit at a specific time because those are the metrics that are tied to the funding period, period. right it's not real
Yeah. The, uh, the, the, it's funny that, that mindset of certain age, certain, whatever, uh, level, yeah. it does really permeate into adulthood. I I'll admit it's hard for me to see a 35 year old. That's more financially successful than me and wonder what I did wrong. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's, it's conditioning, you know, yeah, from, from that exact, uh, that exact time. It's, Let me, I'm, I'm fascinated by people who, who are achieving in ways that are so aligned with what seems to be their purpose. And I, I put you in that bucket. I mean, you know, we haven't talked a bunch. We yeah. chatted once I followed you, uh, but you've got a pretty prominent, a very prominent podcast, amazing guest. You mentioned Patrick Bet David is one of those. Uh, you know, you're very much on purpose with, with acting and education and everything else. Mm-hmm. How did you, how did you find your way to that? Meaning, I know you found your way to acting, but like, when did you realize, or when did you have that moment, or, or maybe you don't even realize that you have, where where you feel like you you've leaned into purpose because the results of your life seem to be because you're just fully aligned with who you are. How do you find that? Do you have any any advice for people that are still seeking that's, purpose? Yeah, man, that's a really good. It's a really good question. I would I would agree with you um, that I have that I have been able to find that, and I'm very. I feel like I'm very very. Uh, lucky to have found that, um, because I know, you know, I have figured out what really fires me up and I've figured out what I'm really good at and I'm able to align those things. Right. Which is why I think things are going well, both, you know, with acting, with the podcast, with the mentorship program, all of those things are going well because of that. Um, and I'm very quick to say too, um, that I definitely stay in those lanes because I'm really good at a few things and I really, really suck at so many others. Right. So it's good that I can stay there. Um, but the best advice, you know, I, I can't say that there was like this single moment, but there was definitely a culmination of moments. So one of the things that we, we talk to our students about, um, and I talk to the young men that I mentor in, in Apogee about is the concept of, of fire aim ready. Um, you know, we, we always hear ready, aim, fire, and you've got to prepare and you got to make a business plan and you got to make, you know, it's, it's all of this preparation, right. And then you, you do the preparation and then you follow the plan and, um, you know, but you, you got to get that preparation first, right. You got to get ready. And it leads to all this, you know, uh, that whole analysis paralysis and all that kind of stuff. I think it's very much the other way. It is fire, aim, ready. We talk to our students, my kids, the ment- uh, the mentorship kids collect experiences. Uh, the best way I can describe it is like, go to, you know, you want to find what your favorite food is, go to a buffet, go get all of the foods in front of you and try as many of those things as you can, because then you're going to start to narrow things down. Yeah. And I'm going to go try all of these foods. And then, you know, the next time I go back, I'm going to go, you know, what? I don't think I really liked seafood. So I'm going to go ahead and put that. So now I'm going to just try all of these foods here. And the more and more you do that, you've, you're firing by, by eating all those, then you can start to aim and you can come back and go, okay, I know I can eliminate this. I know I can eliminate this. And then that's, you're eventually going to get to that spot where you're like, dude, no doubt, hands down. This is my, you know, kind of, this is my jam. Um, I think it's very much that I think, um, the byproduct of me, Luckily for me, the byproduct of me wandering for so long, trying so many things, trying to figure out very early who the hell I was, um, you know, what was I good at? What did I want? Like, and I tried so many different things and have so many unique experiences. I think that is what really allowed me to, to really kind of hone in on, on those things of who I, who I really am, what I'm supposed to be doing. 
I love that, man. We in the Emergent Ascend group, which you're not familiar with, but it's uh, it's sort of like the pre-millionaires group of, of GoBundance. And I have, I have the privilege of running that. Uh, I teach lessons from other people that I've learned from Ingobundance, like what they do. Yeah. And it's a little bit of a, of, a, of a spinoff of it, but we say ready, fire, aim to your point. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's this idea that you got to like have it perfectly honed in before you take action. Uh, and really it's action that begets action, right? Like you need That's to take it. a level of action in order to get to the next thing. And I think to your point about uh, trying a lot of different things, it's, it's, we, we would all in you know, our thirties and forties say that to a 15 or an 18 or a 22 year old, like you just got to go try things and figure things mm -hmm. out, but we don't give ourselves permission sometimes at 35 and 40 to have that same approach. Totally. And I think, right. There's a lot of life left yeah. to live and people have to go, go through with that. So that's it, man. And I love that. that's always like, it's the fear. And again, it's a lot of times we don't do it because of that fear of failure. Right. And, and again, school is a part of that, you know, shitty parenting is a part of it. Like there's a million reasons why, but we are afraid of failing. So we don't want to go out and take, you know, app, uh, like, Acton Academy has been wildly successful. Um, Apogee is wildly successful. Essential 11, wildly successful. But, you know, there were other things that I put together that I, I gave a shot and I spent money on and th that didn't work out. Cool. Awesome. I learned that was tuition, right? That's like, that's tuition worth paying. That's tuition. Yeah, 100%. So, uh, we haven't touched on Apogee. We have a few minutes left. I want to at least get uh, get an idea of what that is, if you don't mind just sort of outlining Apogee for, for the audience. Yeah. So if anybody knows who Tim... Tim Kennedy is a lot of people um, have an idea of who he is um, far more than me, you know, as mixed martial arts, fighter, army ranger, um, green beret, uh, just a phenomenal, phenomenal guy Had a bunch of TV shows and stuff, but he and I have collaborated on this program, which is a mentorship program for, for young men. Um, and so currently, you know, we got young men as, as young as 12. Um, we have some as old as 22. We could probably, we could probably go older, um, but it's a mentorship program where these guys come in and, it's a year long program It's 12 months. And each month they have a different project they take on. They have a different challenge they take on. Um, they have a, a series of workouts they take on. They have a different book, you know, reading they take on. Um, and then they have weekly discussions all together as a group that, that we will facilitate and jump on with, and we'll dive into Socratic discussions. We'll dive into how the projects, the challenges are going and how these books are going, but then we will also have a guest mentor every single week. And these guest mentors are the top of the top of the top in the world. They are quite literally some of the best male leaders in the world. Um, and, you know, we'll have Leif Babin and, and, you know, Mike Glover and Jeff Hoffman, who, you know, I think, you know, from, from Priceline, right. And he's yeah, familiar sure. with the GoBundance crowd. So Jeff, you know, Jeff has been on, um, you know, we'll go into pop culture. Little Zuby's been on Brian Callen's been on, um, you know, we've got just some of these amazing guys who are, are phenomenal leaders of men now who are taking their time to pour into our young men. Um, and so they get that week, those weekly conversations with those guys too. And sometimes we'll use those as episodes of the essential 11. So you'll hear, you know, some of these young guys asking questions. It's pretty cool. Um, but that's really what it is, man, is it's a, it's a year long them collecting experiences. They've got to do the work and get after it. Um, but they're connecting with the best leaders on the planet to encourage them to keep on going, you know, for, for the duration of that year. Amazing. I, I could awesome. I could go another hour with you. There's so many. I mean, we didn't even talk about your 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 background with Ken Shamrock. We didn't get you know yeah. as deep into these topics. I mean, the Essential yeah. Eleven. I'd love to dive in yeah. more on that, but uh, our time has unfortunately come uh, almost to an end here. But let me uh, let me ask this final question, and then I want uh, I want you to be able to to outline where people should find you. Uh, in GoBundance, we say, hey, we're trying to grab life big. What's a what's a moment, a possession, an item, a, a time that you can recall where you felt like, man, I'm really grabbing life 
big? Anything that jumps out? Uh, I mean, uh, dude, starting, starting a school is a bigger grab than I could have ever, uh, than I could have ever asked, uh, you know what I mean? But, um, I, I, I will say one of the defining moments and again, kind of collecting experiences, I, yeah. I am blessed to be able to say, man, there was a few times where I was, where I had the opportunity to go big. Um, but I will say one of the, one of the ways that that kind of worked out in my favor was you, since you mentioned Ken, you know, I was going to go try out for his fight team. Uh, and was about a week out of going out to to try out for this fight team. And I get a phone call while I'm at work. And, um, you know, he says, hey, this is Ken Shamrock. And I've been working with Frank, you know, and he says, this is Ken Shamrock. And I'm going, holy shit. Okay, awesome, man. What's happening? And he's like, yeah, you're coming to my house. You're going to do this tryout for the Lions Den and come fight. And I'm like, yep, I'm coming out there. He's like, cool. We're coming out in seven days, right? And I said, yep. He says, cool. He says, I want you to come out in six days instead. And I said, okay, you want to come out the day before? He says, yeah. He says, I'm actually going to put on a, a, a fight here i'm gonna put on a promotion and i had you know competed in kickboxing but i had never competed at that point in martial art uh, mixed martial arts um you know he says i'm i want you to come out and i want you to fight can you make 170 by you know by friday um and i just went yeah because of course man i got ken shamrock on the phone right so it was like holy sh i don't know if i ever even necessarily want to compete i'm down to go do this tryout like that's going to be an experience but all of a sudden I just had this opportunity in front of me and it was a peer pressure kind of moment where I got this guy that I'd looked up to and I just went, sure, sounds good. But again, because I grabbed that opportunity, oh. right? I go there in my very first fight, dude, I've got Bruce Buffer announcing me. I've got Randy Couture and boss Rutten and guy Metzger. And you know, I've got all these legends right there ringside watching me fight. Like who deserves that, you know? And so, um, you know, I ended up winning that and it changed the trajectory of, of a few years of my life, you know, and gave me some opportunities in a network that I never would have had otherwise. So, you know, a lot of times it, it is, especially for the younger guys, it's just saying yes and, and seeing what happens um, to those, you know, with those experiences. So that was a good, good example, I guess, that touches on that other thing. That's a hell of an example. That is definitely a big cool. life moment. Incredible. Thanks for sharing that. Where should people uh, find out more about you? Anything you want to make sure they, uh, they get directed to? And check out Acton, you know, it doesn't have to be our Acton, just check out actonacademy.org to see what Acton Academy is doing, see if there's one near you. That's a, a, a big, um, a big ask. Check out Apogee program on uh, Instagram or apogeestrong.com uh, is our website. And then I'm most active, you know, really on, on IG, just at my name, man, just at Matt Bodro. And of course, if you want to check out the Essential 11, I'd be grateful for that too. 100%. Great, great Instagram feed. Great, great podcast. Matt, I appreciate you Thank being you, on brother. today. So much knowledge. Thank you. Pleasure. The wrong tribe confounds, the right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. Thank you for tuning in to the GoBundance podcast. We hope to see you at a live event in the near future. If you're new to us, here's a quick explanation of our programs. Number one, Emerge, a web-based journey for millionaires to be. Number two, Ascend, an interactive mastermind, the next stage of our journey. Number three, GoBundance Elite, the original tribe of millionaires. Number four, GoBundance Champions, five million net worth and above. Number five, GoBundance Women, a tribe of amazing badass women. For detailed information on all five of these, simply find us at GoBundance.com. Until then. Grab life big.